Hey everyone, it's Adam Farkas and... And Paul Farkas and here. welcome back to another edition of Odie Wire Radio. Today is a special broadcast and it's special for a couple of reasons. The first reason is because we're actually shooting this one live. So some people may actually be listening to us live today. So thank you for turning up. And uh, you know if you're listening live, you can ask questions actually by typing into the question box. Otherwise, if you're listening to the archive, sorry, you missed your chance. Um, so today we have a great show for you. We have Ken Rudzinski, who is a certified financial planner. And if you're a member of POP or if you've been on OD Wire for quite some time, you know Ken's work. Um, he's here today to talk to us all about disability insurance. Now, I know that some of you are thinking, especially if you're on the younger side, you're thinking, what is this? Do I really need this? But uh, I think as Ken and Paul will attest to, it's sort of funny, before we got started here, they were playing General Hospital. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and talk, talking about their various ailments. So... Ken has got very deep experience uh, in in, the, in disability insurance, and he's going to talk to us today all about it and tell us the difference between some plans and give us some good advice about what we can do to protect ourselves. So, Ken, thanks so much for coming today. Great. It's great to be here. So, Ken, when did you actually start learning about it and, and working with disability insurance? Well, uh, it goes pretty far back. I, um, I started in the uh, financial services industry back in June of 1973. And uh, um, about two months after I started, I talked to my barber about who was going to ask him a question, who's going to pay him if he broke his arm. And so I met him at his house. Uh, his mom was, he was living at home. And uh, we sat and talked about um, disability insurance for him. And it was interesting because I had to convince his mother more than him that he should go ahead and get this coverage. And what made it interesting was that about two and a half months later, Nick uh, came down with viral hepatitis and actually filed a claim for the disability insurance. Uh, he had, he got back, he went back to work too soon and had a relapse. <clears throat> so he, he collected about six or eight months worth of disability insurance. Now this was, this made an impression on me who had just started in the business and, um, uh, interestingly enough, a second situation happened uh, back in the winter of 76 when Chrysler was, was, seemed like it was going to go under. I, I, I visited with a, a young Chrysler uh, employee who wanted to buy disability insurance to cover his mortgage payment. I'm, I'm sorry, his, his apartment rent. And uh, you know, I took the application, sent it in. About a week later, he called me and he said, I still remember, he said, I hope that insurance really works and that you weren't just uh, saying it would. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, I was in a car accident the day after you took wow. the application Ooh. and um, uh, messed up. He was a mechanic and he messed up. Uh, we have a big Chrysler plant here in Newark, Delaware, had anyway. And uh, he was disabled for about, uh, about eight weeks um, and the insurance uh, did pay. So um, I learned very, very quickly in the first couple months that I was in the financial services business, how important disability insurance was because, you know, one night I was delivering Nick, Nick's uh, $600 check. And as I was walking in his house, a gentleman was leaving. <clears throat> and I asked Nick, uh, when I got in there, I said, Nick, who, you know, who was that? He said, that's the bill collector. He said, I'm so glad you're here because I need this money so much uh, to pay my bills. If I didn't have it, I would have gone under financially. Wow. So I, 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 I learned about disability insurance um, from a claim standpoint, uh, right from the start. Right. And that would, that would be almost 40 years ago, starting next year. So. Wow. 
So I'm sure, I'm sure you have some good stories for us. And in fact, you, you wrote a book, and Paul and I actually had a copy of it here. You sent us a copy a while back, The Physician's mm -hmm. Guide to Avoiding Financial Blunders, um, which is a mm -hmm. book that probably most people should take a look at <laughs> just to avoid some of the more common mistakes. But there's one particular chapter um, that you talk about, Goose and the Golden Eggs. Could you sort of tell everyone a little bit about that? Yeah, it was a chapter I wrote. Um, actually, the book was a compilation of a lot of the articles that I had published, uh, um, and a lot of them appeared in primary care optometry news, some in ocular surgery news. So a lot of the ODs out there might have uh, seen some of the articles that appeared as early as, uh, I think, 1998, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but but the, I included a chapter in the book um, on di a disability in income planning, and, and, and the idea of the goose and the golden eggs is, is, is a concept I learned way back in the beginning, and that is uh, basically this, and, and it's, if you had the opportunity to insure one thing, would you insure the goose or would you insure the golden eggs? And what's interesting about it is um, um, a, lot of, a lot of people insure the eggs. You know, they insure the things that the, the goose being the, the, the breadwinner, the person making the income to buy all the things, all the eggs. And we insure our house, we insure our car, we insure our lives, we insure our, our, our big screen TV, uh, all these things that probably statistically, you know, we'll never have a claim. Um, but the one thing, the, the biggest asset that we own is our ability to earn an income. And a lot of people go, uh, uh, you know, they go without disability coverage, uh, not insuring the one thing that will buy all the eggs that they, that, that they, that they produce. So, um, by the way, I, I should mention uh, that, that if, if you have the book or um, are planning on getting it, there's a, an example of a, of a, of a client of mine who, who got disabled at the beginning of that chapter. It's a true story, and it, was a, it had a happy ending in that he, uh, um, he came down with viral hepatitis. He was in his late 50s, and uh, because he had personal disability insurance and business overhead coverage, buy cell coverage with his partner's um, he, it was a happy ending and that all those things got taken care of. Right. Why, do, why do you think that people don't have disability insurance? What do you think that's all about? Well, um, number one, it's cost. I think people um, look at the cost of disability insurance and they say, well, I'd rather just take the risk or probably more than anything. And they say it's not going to happen to them. You know, it, it's a uh, disability is, you know, uh, uh, maybe I have a one out of three chance of, of getting disabled. Um, um, but you know, I'm going to be the, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be one of those who's never going to get disabled. Um, and so I think that's probably more it, by the way, there's a really, if I can mention it now, there's a really, really, really good website. Um, it's called a W it's www.disabilitycanhappen.org. Um, and there's a lot of good information there from the council on disability awareness. Um, and uh, anybody who's interested in learning about disability, uh, the statistical side of it, preparing for it, reducing your chances uh, of having a disability ought to go to that site. And um, again, it's www.disabilitycanhappen.org. Well, you know, uh, I have That's one. not me. No, that's <laughs> me. <laughs> Uh, the, I had one question uh, Go ahead. that uh, can't you still get that physician's guide to avoiding f financial blunders is it still available? 
Uh, yes, it is. It's um, let me see the website. It's www.slackinc.com is the website. Uh, Slack Slack Inc is the publisher. Um, and I think if you go on their site, it'll you'll be able to find the book. Yeah, because I, I got the book, but it came thirty years too late. Yeah, but I, I, I did. <laughs> I did read the book. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? It's a, you know one of the chapters that got cut out of it was the chapter on long-term care, Paul. So I mean that might have been, <laughs> well, that I got might that, have helped. I you, got but. that because my wife told me she's not going to wipe my behind. So, so we, we, we're going to have people coming in, uh, so uh, for sure. Uh, but but it's a, it's an absolutely marvelous book, and it's very readable. That's that's the part. It's it's not complex, and I really recommend it to anyone that uh, has any doubts about the value of, of having adequate coverage. Right. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. There have been a lot of nice there have been a lot of nice comments on OD Wire by uh, several of the ODs who've had a chance to. Uh, uh, read the book. So um, thank you. Great. So in your experience, so uh, when people actually do have to collect and it comes time and, and they have to collect on their policy, what are some of the things that you've seen, some hurdles or challenges that people have had? You know, that's, that's a great question, Adam. Um, I, in, in my almost 40 years, I probably handled well over 30 disability claims. Um, and they ranged from short-term claims to, to long, long-term disability claims from personal policies to LTD plans and association plans. And I, I got to tell you that um, the, the, the thing I hear most from somebody who is the day after the accident uh, or the day after they get out of the hospital and found out that they now have a, you know, a condition uh, like, uh, like this particular doctor in chapter four of my book, uh, who had uh, viral, not viral, that was, that was Nick, it was the pulmonary embolism, and that is, do I have the best coverage that I can have? It's interesting, when people are buying disability insurance, they're asking the question, um, how can I pay the, le the, the least for this coverage? How can I shave uh, benefits? What, what can I do to cut the cost? But when they get disabled, to a T, People want to know, do I have the most ironclad coverage? Do I have the best definition of disability? What happens if I come back to work? Um, and so, uh, you know, at the other end of the spectrum, at clean, I guess I would say to ODs who are looking at purchasing disability insurance, when you are looking at it, you're looking at the provisions, imagine you are now going to file a claim. And the price certainly is important when comparing companies and benefits and things like that. But imagine you are you are now it's the day after the accident and you now have to collect on this policy. That's what you need to ask yourself when you're looking at purchasing disability insurance. Now, also, I have a question about uh, waiting periods, uh, you know, uh, and I remember in our practice, we decided mm -hmm. to take a 90-day waiting period before it kicks in because mm -hmm. the practice uh, was a multi-associate practice that they could afford to pay a partner for up to three months. Uh, mm -hmm. And our feeling was that after three months, if you're still out, it's something really serious. And that's when they, you, you have to start getting uh, thinking in terms of somebody else supporting you. Uh, so mm -hmm. are there variations uh, that an individual based on their particular need can get differential waiting periods? And what's the difference in cost? Uh, that's a happens? good question. Well, um, again, again, cost will cost will vary company by company. But I will say this to you that most individual disability insurance carriers have priced their product 
to be most competitive at, at a 90-day elimination period or 90-day waiting period. If you want to go with a shorter waiting period, 60 or 30 days, it's prohibitively expensive. Um, if you want to go to 180-day waiting period, it's not that much of a discount. So 90 days seems to be the right, the right waiting period or elimination period. Now, everybody needs to keep in mind that disability, when you talk about a waiting period for disability insurance, it's like that a period of self-insurance. So you're, 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 you must have other sources of income. Paul, as you mentioned, there may be receivables coming in, which is fairly typical, even in a, a single OD practice. In a multiple OD practice, you're going to have um, other revenue coming in. But uh, it's important to keep in mind that disability insurance benefits are paid at the end of the month. The insurance company needs to know you were disabled for the whole month. So a 90-day waiting period means the benefits would be paid around the 120th day. But the 90-day waiting period is the most common. It's the most price of, uh, or cost efficient. Uh, one exception might be, or two exceptions would be um, for buy-sell disability insurance. That's usually a one-year wait. Um, also, business overhead coverage, again, depending on a person's uh, 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 receivables, might be as early as a 60-day waiting period with benefits payable by the 90th day. Right. So let's turn our attention then to uh, probably the only long-term disability plan that most of our members are familiar with, and that would be the one that's offered by the AOA, um, the American Optometric Association. I know you took a look at it. Can you give us a little insight as to what's in the plan and, and what are your thoughts generally about it? Okay. Um, interestingly, um, we got a, a, in one of the, the, the disability threads on OD Wire, one of the ODs, indicated that uh, the AOA plan was now with New York Life, and he said, could, could we maybe take a look at it? <clears throat> so I was able to get some information. I don't actually have a certificate, but what I got is pretty, pretty in-depth uh, telling me um, what the plan is all about, okay? It is, and so, you know, the, the bottom line is that it is an, uh, an association LTD plan, LTD meaning long-term disability. Um, it's a fairly standard kind of a plan. It, 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 uh, it's available to ODs who are under age 55. So if you're tuning in and you're 56 years old, uh, um, you can't get this covered. So you're un if you're under 55, you can get it. Um, it covers up to 60% of your earnings, up to a maximum earnings of $150,000. Um, um, it, uh, it, it, but in, interestingly enough, uh, it factors in other disability insurance you have. So if you're eligible for 60% of your earnings, um, and you have 30 or 40% of your earnings covered by other disability insurance, then you can get the balance covered under the, uh, under the AOA plan, uh, for ODs who are under age 45, who have uh, six months or less experience as an OD, there's an ability to get $2,000 a month of coverage um, without regard to your earnings at this point in time. And one other thing, coverage is usually not covered. It is payable to age 65 if you get, but you're able to keep the coverage uh, if you continue to practice um, between age, age 65 and 75, in which case uh, the uh, benefits would be for one year. So if if you're a 35-year-old and you pick up the AOA coverage, you get disabled right away. You would have a 90-day waiting period with the AOA plan and coverage, assuming you satisfied the definition of disability, would, would go all the way out to 865. 
If you're 65 and you get disabled, your coverage would last for one year. Right. And so, okay. how, yep. And, and how do you think that stacks up against other plans that you've seen? Um, you mean other association plans? Um, well, I mean, the bottom line, I, I, a couple of years ago, I did a comparison of the of the AOA plan on on POP, the POP website. And I, I will tell you that then and now, um, if we want to talk about some, maybe let's talk about the weaknesses. Let's talk about the strengths of the AOA plan because it does have some strengths. Sure. For example, um, if you're a young OD and you are paying student loans, you bought you, know, you just bought a house, you got a big mortgage, you got some, you know, you got young kids running around, and the only thing you can afford is is the insurance through the AOA. Um, then I'd say fine. Okay, it's we're going to talk about the weaknesses in the plan, but if it's a, strictly a matter of affordability, then it would be okay for a, a fairly young OD. Uh, New York Life is an excellent carrier. I mean, they're probably one of the most notable carriers in the industry. So the company itself is excellent. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be worried about New York Life going out of business. Uh, there's also a possible dividend. They, they do state that um, if the claims ratios are pretty good and there's surplus, that after AOA gets back some marketing expenses, that there may be uh, the possibility of refunding uh, or so having some premium credits. Uh, to members who've signed up. I wouldn't expect that. There are some um, individual disability carriers who do, ha who do um, say that they can pay a dividend, but they tell us as reps who, who may, who may um, use those products, don't, don't promise anything because dividends are so um, uh, not guaranteed. There's a worksite modification benefit of $5,000 um, or up to two times the amount of benefit you 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 choose where you can maybe have your your work site modified. It's a five. It's a one-time benefit. Uh, you have to be collecting uh, disability, but you can have a a lump sum of money paid to um, to affect your website to make it easier for you to to be working. And uh, there's a pretty decent pre-existing condition provision in the coverage. It says that if you have a condition. Uh, a pre-existing condition is a condition where you have, you've had care, treatment, medication within three months of applying for coverage. Once you're covered under the plan for 12 months, uh, 12 consecutive months, then that pre-existing condition is covered. So um, th those, would be, those would be some of the strengths of the plan. Okay. Uh, and on, on the, the flip side, any, any weaknesses? Okay. Um, yes. Yeah, some very, very glaring weaknesses. Um, and the first one is, and, and anybody who's been reading any of the posts that I've put on OD Wire on the threads on disability insurance will know uh, the, the first thing I say, and that is that the definition of disability in association LTD, including the AOA plan, and even, even group LTD, uh, is not a true own occupation definition of disability. Um, a true ONOC definition basically says that you're disabled if you can't perform the substantial and material duties of your own, of your own occupation and you're under the care of a physician. Um, most group plans, association plans, including the AOA, throw in a provision that says if you're working in another occupation, there's going to be an offset to your benefits based on the amount of earnings you make in that other occupation. So. Uh, it's not the definition that you want at the time you get disabled. You want to be in a position where if you can't practice as an OD, 
that you are going to be able to collect total disability benefits to, no matter what else you do. The second thing I think is really a critical item, um, and that is there's no cost of living benefit uh, in the AOA coverage. So if you're a 35 or 40-year-old OD and you um, suffer a permanent loss of vision, for example, so that you're permanently disabled, you're going to be living on a fixed income under the AOA plan, assuming that you are able to qualify for the benefits. Um, most individual policies, as we'll maybe talk about later, will have a, a provisions in it for cost of living. I just, I just was working with two MDs here, husband and wife MD team uh, here in Delaware, and um, uh, I was astounded that they had bought disability insurance. They're in their early 50s. They bought coverage about four, five, six years ago, and neither policy had a cost of living rider on it. And when I uh, explained that to them, they were they were totally shocked. They thought that was on their policy. So a word of caution, and that as we're talking about this, um, at some point in time, I would suggest that ODs, if you have disability insurance, personal disability insurance, take it out. Uh, I, we call it a, you know, a disability fire drill, as I, I say in my book, and that is you want to be looking at your policy to make sure you have the things in there you ought to have, like the own occupation definition of disability or the cost of living benefit. A couple other things uh, briefly, and that is there are no guarantees in the AOA plan. Very, very, by the way, uh, this is nothing against the plan itself. It's typical with association coverage. There are no guarantees. New York Life could, could terminate the plan. They could walk away. They can change the rates. They have to do it on a class basis. They can't change your individual rate, but they can change the rates. They can alter coverages. So there's nothing saying that what you have is what you always have and at the price you'll always pay. By the way, the rates go up every five years. They are banded. So the low rate you might have as a young person is going to continue to rise. So uh, we had a situation here in Delaware quite a while ago where the association a plan for the Delaware Dental Association, big, big society here in Delaware, the, the insurance company just pulled the coverage. And, um, and a lot of dentists were left without coverage um, uh, because they were uninsurable at the time. So basically, you, you, if you have AOA, you rent that coverage, you don't own it, and, and, and you, only own it while you're a, uh, you only rent it while you're a member. Last but not least, something creeping into the disability marketplace, even individual, some individual policies, and that is there is a provision in the AOA plan that limits your coverage to two years or 24 months for outpatient mental disabilities caused by outpatient mental and nervous disorders and or substance abuse. Um, so, you know, if, if you suffer from one of those conditions, um, uh, you, you know, you're, you're going to be limited to 24 months coverage. There is a restriction. I should mention this other thing, and that is, again, only in group insurance plans, association plans, there is a, a restriction in there that says if you have a self-diagnosed disability, migraines are an example of that, a self-diagnosed, where you're maybe, you may or may not be under the care of a physician. Um, th those aren't generally restricted. They're not covered. You have to be under the regular care of a physician. And so a self-diagnosed disability is not going to be covered under the plan. That's pretty standard. Okay. I mean, that's, those are, there, there may be some other minor items. Um, 
but um, you know the the residual disability, the partial disability provisions are not as good as an individual plan. Um, and uh, but by and large, those are the main. The big things are the definition of disability, the lack of the ONOC definition, no cost of living, cost of living benefits, no guarantees. Um, you rent the coverage, you don't own it, and the 24-month limitation for mental and nervous and substance abuse. So, so if you wanted to carry this out, one of the problems optometrists have, their backs go after a certain number of years in practice, and uh, mm -hmm. they, they start getting very limited that they can't work that 40-hour week anymore because their back is killing them. Uh, yeah. What are the mechanics? Do so they have to then go to uh, a physician, an orthopedic physician, who will then certify this vague back problem, which uh, sometimes no one can really put their finger on. Uh, what happens with yeah, the disability I mean, that's, coverage then? That, that's a good question. We're going to assume for the sake of argument, Paul, that the person is already covered under the plan, okay? And this back condition develops. But don't let me forget to discuss the issue of what happens if you uh, – Try, if you're trying to get the AOA LTD plan, and you already have that condition, okay? So if, you, if you're under the plan and you've developed a, a condition, let's say a back problem, um, it, it's, as long as you're seeing a doctor, um, a, 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 some, some doctor regarding that condition, if that condition is preventing you from performing uh, let's say some of the of, of the substantial and material duties of your occupation, you can't work every day, your hours are cut, therefore your income is lower, then there's the possibility that you could collect under the AOA plan. And the way and any disability claim really comes down to three elements. The first one is you have to be disabled, you have to have a condition causing you to have either a total loss of income or a partial loss of income. So the claim form has your section on it. The second section would be the doctor, the, your attending physician, indicating um, that you, you know, what the condition is and that it is in fact disabling you since when and perhaps for how long. Um, and um, um, and you know, those are the. If, if if you are in an employer group, then the employer has to fill out. If it's a group LTD plan. Um, if you're working in a commercial setting and you have insurance through the, you know, through the commercial setting, then your employer also has to fill out a part. Okay. But, um, the bottom line is that it's typically your physician, um, your doctor, the insurance company reserves the right to come out and do a physical exam on you. Um, and, um, um, so, you know, that's generally how it works, Paul, but it, uh, let me get to the point, the point I was going to make. If you have that condition, and it was interesting because when I did the post when I, a couple of weeks ago on this, when I, when I was looking at the, uh, the AOA plan, I made a comment that an, an OD, if you're out there, um, uh, sent back to me saying, and my comment was that the AOA plan or the group or association plan is a good place to go if you can't get personal disability insurance. And he came back and he said, well, no, wait a second. I, I, had, a, I had coverage. Um, it unfortunately, for whatever reason, lapsed. I went back to the AOA to try to get it reinstated, and they told me, no, uh, we're going to treat you as if you were applying for coverage and you have this pre-existing condition, and we have the right to turn you down. So anybody applying for coverage with a pre-existing condition, um, you, you run the risk, number one, of not being accepted for coverage, number two, 
possibly having that coverage um, issued, but with a restriction where either that condition is not covered, um, and, and, and those restrictions, by the way, are not necessarily permanent. If your condition is not chronic and improves, you can maybe go back to New York Life at your expense and ask them if they would reconsider, reconsider the coverage. Okay. So do you, have, uh, do you work when, when these disabilities occur? Uh, do you work with the AOA representative or do you go directly to New York Life? Who's your, who's your broker that's the ombudsman for you? Well, that that's that is that's an excellent question. The answer is I don't know. I I'm, I I would assume that it says in the material that um, let me just look here if I can. It says your plan administrator is AGIA, and it's an organization that's been around for a while. So I'm going to make the rash judgment and say the AGIA, whoever that is, would be would be your advocate. Okay, but that is. A point, a really good point, in that when you have an individual disability policy, and you have an agent or a broker, and you're not dealing with just an 800 number. By the way, we find this with life insurance too. When you have an 800 number, you're you're dealing with the next person who picks up the line on the other end, and there's not anybody in particular who acts as your advocate. But when you have an agent or broker, and again, I'm I guess I'm making the case for us brokers out there, and that is that. The, the broker is your advocate. It's the, he's, he or she is the person that you go to when you have the claim, to complete the claims paperwork, to file the claim, to file an appeal if the claim is turned down, to make your case to the, to the claims people. And I've had to do that in many, many instances. And um, when claims are denied, there's an appeal, a specific appeal process, and it's just uh, maybe guiding that through um, – the AOA is an association plan. The, 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 the major benefit is, is it's cheap. And unfortunately, you get what you pay for. So um, does that answer your question, Paul? Yes, I, I believe yeah. it does. Okay. okay, good. Right. So you said you just mentioned that probably the major advantage of this plan is that it, it is cheap and, and somewhat easy to obtain. I mean, it seems like a pretty straightforward process. But let's switch gears and talk about what if you did want to hit the individual market to go get coverage or perhaps to supplement, let's say you have the AOA's plan already, but you want a little more. Yeah. Can you speak, us, speak to us about the process and sort of uh, talk us through it? Okay. You mean, uh, the uh, okay, by, about the process for an indiv- buying an individual policy? Yep. Let's say if I wanted okay. to go out today and, you know, just go out there, contact somebody and get an individual policy. How does that work? Okay. Well, um, the bottom line is that uh, you know if you're if you're an OD in San Diego or you're an OD in Dallas, Texas, um, you may want to ask around the, the uh, ask around uh, people you know. Do they have an agent or broker who, who they've worked with that they trust has given them good advice? Um, and so that's usually the first place to start. If you have an OD out there uh, who's listening, who's looking for someone in their area. Um, if they sent me an email, um, I can perhaps uh, direct them to a, a disability specialist in the area. Um, perhaps we can talk over the phone. Um, you know, to toot my own horn, I do work with with ODs all over the country. Um, but if someone wants someone, uh, the OD wants somebody local, I may be able to find somebody for them. Okay. That said, um, there are there there are probably about five or six really good companies out there in the marketplace that, you know, prior to 1984, um, there were dozens and dozens of insurance companies that wrote disability insurance. Most of them knew what they were doing. A lot of them didn't. And, um, 
when the Hillary Care health reform was being was being uh, proposed, a lot of uh, doctors um, uh, who had these fabulous disability benefits that they had bought in a very competitive market in the prior years decided that they were not going to take a chance on Hillary Care, and they all retired. Um, on disability insurance, whether it was real or imagined or whatever, a lot of people retired. So the uh, claims um, uh, uh, ratios in the marketplace went through the roof. Paul Revere Life, which was the major reinsurer, backed out of the market. To make a long story short, most of the companies went out of the market. And so today we find ourselves with about four, five, six really good carriers. Among those would be Guardian, Berkshire, uh, it's one company, uh, MetLife, uh, Mass Mutual, um, Union Central, uh, um, uh, let's see, and, and Principal. Principal is very good for ODs as is, as is Guardian, but, um, but also on the captive side, Northwestern Mutual is out there and that can only be sold by captive Northwestern Mutual agents. Right. And is it sort of like car insurance? You know, it's sort of interesting. I think more people know about car insurance than they do about disability insurance. Yeah. Because we all have to insure our cars. So is it sort of a competitive marketplace where you, you can get fairly similar quotes from different companies? That's, that's a great question. Uh, you know, I'm not sure. A lot of insurance has become commoditized. You know, life insurance, you can pick up an 800 number and get quotes on uh, from various uh, sources. I haven't seen that happen with disability insurance yet because because it, it has a lot of moving parts to it. And I think you really need to know what you're doing uh, when, it, when I mean, you, you couldn't get a, a 22-year-old college grad and his first job on the other end of the 800 line um, giving you really good advice on disability insurance. It's just not the way it works, especially because it's insurance to protect your livelihood and your financial in your economic well-being, most people want to know that the person they're talking to is uh, is somewhat qualified uh, to discuss the insurance, but um, and to and to and design a plan that's going to meet the needs of of a, a particular OD. And everybody's different. Everybody has everybody has different needs, um, and um, you know everybody has different health problems uh, that they need to overcome in order to get the coverage. So. Um, it's not, it's, not, it's not commoditized, um, although carriers are going to offer similar products. They're not all going to be the same, and some of the differences are extremely subtle. Um, for example, in the residual disability area, we find some minor differences that can make a difference in whether you collect partial benefits or total benefits. The cost of living riders um, can be the same but dissimilar, again, depending – Cost of living riders vary significantly. For example, you can have a 3% uh, cost of living rider regardless of what happens to the CPI or a CPI-based rider between 1% and 10%. Um, the, uh, the definition of disability, typically, if it's an ONOC definition of dis disability, it's going to be pretty standard. Um, but again, um, the, the, there, there are different Different company, uh, one other example, Mass Mutual, excellent company for disability insurance. However, they have the 24-month mental and nervous limitation in there, which, I, you know, I tend to stay away from that when recommending disability insurance for clients because you just never know when that may be an issue. And if you can buy the coverage without that limitation, why take the chance? So you say a, a broker then will carry many products. 
Not, not just one uh, yeah, insurance I mean, carrier? Yeah, I mean, again, Northwestern Mutual may be the exception. Um, you know, their products are sold only by Northwestern Mutual brokers. Um, it may be that a Northwestern Mutual broker or agent may only sell Northwestern and not other carriers. But if you're going to go, if you want to know what the marketplace is and have an objective opinion uh, of, of what you need and what you should buy, my, my advice is you find someone who can go to all the carriers out there with the same criteria that this is your income, this is your unearned income, this is your date of birth, this is your smoker, non-smoker status, et cetera, and can get all of the companies to come back and give quotes based on what that specific date is. If, if, you, if you want somebody to go to uh, one person to go to MetLife and another person to go to Guardian and the third person to go to Principal, you wind up with three people giving you all different opinions as to what, you know, what's the best. And if they're only representing one company, they're only, you know, they don't have, they have an ax to grind. So if you go with a, a broker who can go to all those carriers and does not have an ax to grind, in my opinion and in my experience, that's where an OD is going to get the best, you know, the best opportunity to see what's in the marketplace, to understand what the pricing is, and to know, um, to have the facts in order to make an informed decision. Right. Can I just sort of ask you a question from a layman's point of view? How sure, I, sure. Because sure, I'm completely clueless about this. I've learned a lot already today. But my question would be, how can I tell if a broker doesn't have an axe to grind? So I've gone to someone. I now know that they, they can reach out to, you know, 10 or 12 different companies. How do I know that they're actually, you know, not going to prefer one over another for reasons that I can't discern? That's an excellent question. Let me think about that a second. I, I know I, <laughs> I, I, I get I, you know, no, you know what? I guess I guess in my world, as you know, having done this for close to 40 years, um, you know, I, I guess I make the assumption that if the broker has the availability of all the different carriers and gives you uh, certainly would want to have the illustrations for the various carriers, um, and you and you and you and you ask good questions, um, then you you probably can discern whether or not that person has an axe to grind. I, I think you could, um, but I but I think you're going to have to find somebody you trust uh, that you know and it, you know that some, maybe somebody in your another OD has worked with a friend has worked with has maybe gone through this process, um, or like I said before, if you if you want to know the name of a local person um let me know and i and i'll i'll be able to look someone up who would be able to be able to help but in, you know, in general though insurance brokers make their money or on commissions of sales rather than charge a consultation fee to a client as yeah, a I financial mean, broker might well you could do both i mean um you know a person could be a financial planner who charges a fee uh to do an objective financial plan Okay, so that financial plan, and I speak from experience here, um, when we are working with clients, we explain to them that, you know, we, we get paid in three different ways. The first is to, do a, to charge a fee to do a financial plan. In that financial plan, there may be recommendations to, um, to increase or to purchase disability insurance. Now, the plan itself is objective. It can't state what particular company 
that a person ought to use. That's in the second part, which is the implementation of the plan. The implementation of the plan would involve financial products. And those financial products generally, especially disability insurance, would have a commission that is built in for which the agent or broker would be compensated. I, I would say this to any OD, you should feel free to ask how that how the broker ask the broker how they're compensated. The bottom line is on disability insurance, the um, compensation will probably be, again, depending on how much business that broker does with a particular carrier, um, it, it could be anywhere between 60 to 80% of the premium would be the commission in the first year. And then there may be a, a four, five, 6% or 7% renewal commission uh, to service that business on an ongoing basis. So that would probably be news to a lot of ODs out there. So uh, um, the, the first year is the year that the broker makes the most commission. After that, there is a servicing fee. So um, Paul, we were talking earlier about being a broker being your advocate. Well, the broker's being paid to be your advocate, okay, uh, especially when claim time comes. Right. It was a great answer, Ken. Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, how hard is it to get personal disability insurance? I mean, everyone, you know, you live long enough, uh, you have things go wrong with you. <laughs> you like us? You like us? <laughs> well, yeah. And, and it may be things that don't necessarily uh, affect you in practice. You can have dermatological problems, for example, yeah. that, you know, you uh, it, it's not going to really uh, be part of disability, but uh, are there f certain limitations that the uh, insurance carrier would, would look for where they where you become uninsurable? Yeah, um, um, we see this all the time. I'd say I, I don't have a hard and fast statistic here, but I'd say my experience has been about one out of three people who apply for disability insurance will not get it. Um, at least not get it without some form of a restriction or a rating or rider or you know some some kind of policy other than as applied for. By the way, another form of disability insurance is long-term care coverage, and that's even worse in terms of the ability to get that coverage. In fact, uh, I, just as an aside, my the, my my doctor friend who was the subject of chapter four of my book, who had the um, pulmonary embolism, I had been talking to him for for a couple of years. He was in his late fifties about long-term care insurance, and he said to me. He said, uh, you know what, I'll get it when I'm ready. And he unfortunately became disabled and now can't get it. Um, I always tell, and, uh, and this is just something I learned a long time ago from going through this underwriting. We'll talk about underwriting here in a second. And that is everybody remember this. If you remember nothing else that I say to you today, remember this. And that is that your health is what buys the insurance. Your money only pays for it. And a lot of people think just like uh, I go to uh, Best Buy and I see a, a, a big screen TV and I decide, well, I'm not going to buy that today. I'll come back next month. I can buy a TV that probably is exactly the same. And, you know, if it's not that, in fact, it might even be less expensive next month. That's not the way it works with insurance, um, especially disability insurance, because you have to you have to you have to answer medical questions in order to get that insurance. I don't care how much money you have. If your health does not support the issuing of a disability policy, you can't get it no matter how much you have. So when people are uh, um, thinking about buying insurance, if it sounds like a good idea, get it, okay, especially when you're young because once you have it, they can't take it away from you. 
and you can even have a provision in your policy that says you can buy insurance in the future as your income goes up and never have to answer another medical question again. And we're all familiar with people whose health, who were healthy one day and who had a health issue the next day. It doesn't mean that they're going to die, um, but, it, you know, but it, it might mean that from a disability standpoint, they're now shut out of coverage. So, Paul, um, we posted, if I'm not mistaken, I had written two fairly lengthy articles on the underwriting process. Uh, and I think those were, we posted the links to those, right? Right. Yeah, on OD Wire. And so if any of you are interested in knowing about the underwriting process, which for a lot of people is mysterious. In other words, how do I qualify for this coverage? Um, uh, those two articles, take the time to read them, both for life insurance and for disability insurance. I think you'll find them enlightening, but it is a process. It involves medical approval and it involves financial approval, meaning you gotta have income to support the amount of coverage that you're trying to get. Right, so what are you, speaking of income, uh, how much uh, disability insurance should someone get? Well, um, normally um, insurance companies will issue up to 60% of your earned income. And typically, um, say for a self-employed uh, OD, they're looking at what your, your net schedule C at the bottom of the first page of your tax return. But it's generally your, your income minus your business expenses. If you're on a salary, uh, in a practice, it's going to be what your salary is. Um, on a, on a, they can figure in the uh, the amount of money that is that is uh, being contributed on your behalf to a 401k plan, like a match. Um, but they're you're you're basically eligible. There's there's different criteria that we don't have time for today. But the bottom line is you can get about 60% of your income. Now, that leads me to one point, and that is the tax issues, because it does have a bearing on how much insurance you get. We're going to assume for the sake of argument, Paul, that the insurance that you buy is going to be paid for with after-tax dollars. What that means is, according to the IRS, in that, that means that the benefits you receive, if and when you ever receive them, will be tax-free. So you, the IRS says you either pay tax on the premium or on the benefits. Now, that only matters if you're in a C corporation, if you're an S corp, if you're an LLC that's treated as an S corp, if you're a and a sub S corp and you are more um, a 2% or more owner of that S corp sole proprietor partnership, you're always going to be paying for personal disability insurance with after tax dollars. Okay. So that means the benefits will be tax free. Um, that, that leads me to the point where that that's where the 60% comes in. If you are for some, if in, you're in a C corp and, or if you have an LTD plan where some of those benefits will be tax taxable, okay, then the amount of insurance you can get is a higher amount, probably up to 70% of your income, because the insurance company knows that you're not going to get to enjoy all 70% that some of it will go to pay taxes. Now, what I advise most of pretty much all of my physician clients, ODs, uh, dentists, etc. And that is, you would almost all oh, I can't find a reason why you would want to why you would want to pay, why you'd want to have your benefits taxed um, at a time you need them the most. Pay tax on the premium because it's a, a tax on a small amount of money so that you get the big money, uh, which is your benefits, tax-free when you need them the most. Okay? Um, you know, can I just, can I take a minute um, and, um, you know, sometimes the, 
I, you know, I, I always get asked the question, um, if I'm, if I'm, and I think Adam, you might've alluded to this in the, uh, before, but maybe I didn't quite finish the answer to the question. That is if I'm looking for a, a, a personal disability coverage, what are the, what are the items that I ought to make sure I have in my policy? Okay. Number one, you want your own, you want the own occupation definition of disability. Number two, you want the best residual or partial disability benefit that you can get. Um, number three, you got to have a cost of living benefit in the policy. I mean, I, unless you're buying coverage at age 54 and you only plan to work, you know, until age, um, you know, 60, you know, that, that, that cost of living benefit might be uh, uh, overkill. But yeah, you, you, I, I strongly believe, you know, in having that benefit in there. For, for younger doctors, the future insurability option that I alluded to before um, is a provision that says you can buy more insurance um, as your income goes up later without ever having to answer medical questions. Um, there needs to be a return to work provision in there too. And that basically says, well, what happens if you recover from your disability? You're no longer disabled. Uh, according to the definition of disability, but your income is still reduced because of maybe a lot of your patients have gone elsewhere. A return to work provision will continue uh, partial disability payments until your income gets to um, uh, to more than 85% of what it was pre-disability. You want to have a product that avoids the 24-month um, limitation for mental and nervous disorders and substance abuse. And I think you would want any you would want a policy that would avoid a restriction on self-diagnosed disabilities that we referred to before. One last thing, and that is for younger for younger ODs, actually for some middle-aged ODs, there are there's at least one carrier out there that offers graduated premiums, and that is that the rates are much lower. They, the, your rate starts off at a rate much lower than the level premium. And about the sixth or seventh or eighth year, it catches up and then surpasses the level rate. But it takes about 12 or 13 years before it's break-even. So for younger ODs who are looking for a compromise between low cost and really good benefits, uh, having a policy with a graduated premium is, uh, is a real plus. So those are the, there's other things, but those are the most important things. If you had a policy with those in there, you'd have the, the basis for really, really good ironclad coverage, and, you, and it's the coverage you'd be happy with, uh, unfortunately, on the day you got disabled. Right. And, you know, you mentioned earlier yeah. the long-term care Paul did, <laughs> what his wife Willer will not do for him when he gets older. Um, what other types of insurance would you recommend? You know, if, for, for anyone out there, obviously, we, most yeah. of us have life insurance. Almost all of us have auto insurance. We're talking about disability. What else would, would sort of round out the picture? Yeah, that's that's a good question. The, the, probably the second most important disability coverage that ODs ought to have. Any any doctor, uh, anybody who owns their own business that has overhead expenses that will continue in the event they get disabled would be what we call business overhead expense coverage, or BOE, or in the medical field, it's often referred to as POE or practice overhead expense coverage. And basically, your personal disability insurance pays you. So you go out on disability, you at least have a paycheck coming in from your personal disability coverage. But what about your rent? What about your staff expenses? What about the utilities for your office? What about your accountant's fees, et cetera? Um, those typically continue um, unless you um, 
unless you're unless you're you know you're not going to pay those expenses in which case your staff disappears your accountant disappears and you have no office to come back to so uh, business overhead or boe coverage is designed to for a short-term disability usually coverage will start after 60 or 90 days and go for 12 months or, or 18 months or the most 24 months and that that's the kind of coverage you want to have in place so that you have a, an office to come back to. If you're a multi-OD multi practice, two or three, you would just split the expenses to a half or a third and get BOE coverage. That means that the, the, the ODs that are still working are not going to have to work themselves to the bone uh, in order to uh, cover for the OD who's out. Okay. Whether it's, it's, interestingly enough, from a tax standpoint, BOE coverage is the only exception in that the premiums that the individual OD or the practice pays for BOE coverage is tax deductible at the entity or individual level. The benefits, as you'd expect, are taxable when you receive them. However, they are used to offset the tax deductible expenses and therefore at the claim end, it's a tax wash. The other kind, there's a new kind of coverage on the blog. It's been around four, five, six years and it's retirement replacement coverage don't have a lot of time to get into all the details. Maybe, Paul, I can, you know, on OD Wire, I can maybe get into details sure. about some of this Absolutely. stuff uh, for people to tune in at, at a later at a later date when they have time. Retirement replacement coverage is basically if you're 35 years old and you are now permanently disabled, you don't have any earned income, and therefore you have no way to fund a retirement plan. Uh, so what you're able to do with retirement replacement coverage is actually – to buy disability insurance that will put money into a taxable trust that would accumulate that money based on where you want it invested within a limited number of investment options, and that money would be available to you at age 65. Um, it's a, it's a, it can be bought as a policy on its own, or it can be bought as a rider on a, on a personal disability policy, and it usually um, it requires total disability not partial, and it has a one-year waiting period. But it's an interesting kind of coverage uh, that is uh, fairly new in the marketplace. Catastrophic disability. You can put a rider on your personal disability policy that will pay significantly more benefits if your disability is similar to a disability that you would see in long-term care, meaning you have a, you're disabled because of a cognitive impairment or because you have a suffered uh, the inability to perform certain activities of daily living. Right. Um, and so you, 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 you can have that. Now, again, that is not pure long-term care coverage because it terminates. Um, actually, with some companies, you can then convert it to an individual long-term care policy. Do most insurance agents or financial planners or brokers do they know the disability market, or is it a very specialized type of uh, uh, care? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say there's a there's a there are brokers out there who are dangerous when it comes to, you know, disability insurance, and that is they know something about it, but they don't know enough about it to, to be able to put together a plan design for an OD or anybody. Uh, that meets the needs of that particular OD. In other words, they don't know that they don't know all of the provisions. They don't know the companies that offer the best product. They don't, and so they they tend to, um, you know, they tend to shortchange the the you know the consumer, um, and maybe not deliberately. It's just that they think they know more than they do, and that's why 
may be dangerous. Um, disability is one of those. I mean, think of it this way. I mean, it's 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 the it's the paycheck that replaces whatever you earn that may be for the rest of your life. If you got disabled, do you want to trust that to somebody who does it on a part-time basis? Right. Um, and so some agents and brokers do disability insurance on a part-time basis. However, I should say this, some of them are smart enough that they will bring into play a specialist. So while an OD may have an insurance agent who is really good in the life insurance area, uh, and but recognizes his or her limitations in the disability area. If they bring somebody into the picture who is a specialist in that area, then you know more power to them. Right. Well, of course, our ODYR supporting members are very fortunate because they have Ken, Ken Rodzinski, uh, to give them advice on on a very a specific forum that you have, and mm -hmm. it's really most appreciated when you do give your advice. Well, so, it's uh, it's my pleasure. So I guess, you know, it looks like I'm looking at the clock right now. It looks like we're coming up on an hour. So I guess, do you have any sort of last comments or parting words or any words of wisdom that you want everyone to, to remember? Um, yeah, I guess the, I guess I would say that, um, you know, disability insurance, uh, you know, I find some people who, who recognize the importance of it and some people who don't. I, you know, the statistics are, this is something I wrote about in my book. Uh, besides the goose and the uh, the golden eggs, and that is and that is basically this: um, if you had a one in three chance of being struck by lightning, standing where you are, would you move? Well, I mean, if you have a one in three chance of being disabled, and if you go on that website, disability can happen. You can look and see what the statistics are that say how long that disability is likely to last if, in fact, you go through 90 days of disability. In many instances, you're talking about three, four, five, six years. Um, you know, I, I, a lot of the ODs that are listening to this already had disability insurance. My suggestion to them is take out your policy, go through it with your agent, uh, perform what we call the disability fire drill. Make sure you have the things that we talked about here. If you're not sure, if you're driving and you haven't been able to write this down, send me an email. My email address um, is kenr, K-E-N-R, at comcast.net. Um, ask me any questions um, that you might want to ask about your coverages. Um, um, and, um, but, but, but if you don't have coverage, do something about it. Um, because if you don't, who is? I mean, who, who's going to support your family if you, if you got disabled uh, yesterday and you wake up today with your in no chances of getting any income for the next year or two or three. Think of all the saves, how much, how much you, how long it's taken you to save all the money that you saved, um, scrimping and saving, and how fast that money would disappear if you had no disability coverage to uh, to take the place of income that's lost. Right. Very, very good food for thought. And I know, Ken, we, you know, as Paul mentioned, we have the spot on our forums uh, where you, you post a lot, and we're going to post your contact information there as well. So if anyone missed it, don't worry. <laughs> It'll be there on the forums. And in fact, there's going to be a discussion thread where this radio archive will be right on the site. So if people want to ask questions, they can feel free to post there. Um, and we'll put all your contact information there as well. That's great. I look forward to it. Great. Well, thanks so much, Ken. And, and thanks everyone for coming. And again, if you have questions, come on back to the site. And I guess we'll see everyone online. <laughs>